Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Can we welcome up Pastor RJ as he comes to talk about majesty? Good morning, good morning. How are y'all doing? Good. It's nice to see your faces in the light. Those guys were uh, working really hard last week to make sure that we uh, had light and sound. I'm glad they did. So, if you don't know why I'm sitting in the chair today, you obviously didn't listen to my message last week, or the pre-show, or you don't get the newsletter, or you get it but you don't read it. The message today is going to be on majesty. And it's kind of designed to help us realize that our God is the king of the universe. He's not, as some would probably relegate him to, our personal errand boy who fetches this for us and provides this for us and provides that for us. Um, the hope is that we understand how powerful, how majestic, and how glorious our king is. And the truth is, he does not need us, but we desperately need him. And when we go to the dictionary, uh, before I do that, how's the lighting, guys, or do I need to get the pulpit? It's okay? Okay. We weren't sure if there was going to be enough light when I was sitting down so low. And I'm going to try to. <laughs> Majesty, regal, lofty, or stately, dignity, imposing character, grandeur. That's one of the definitions of, of majesty. And then we have Christ in majesty, a representation of Christ as the ruler of the universe. So as we go through the message today, some of the concepts I'm going to talk to you about are actually from J.A. Packer's book on knowing God, okay? And uh, he wrote that book at least 30 years ago, I think. Uh, fantastic book, still relevant to our lives uh, today. Uh, I love throwing stuff like this at my team. However, after the service, if you want a copy, you can go to the bookstore and pay for it, and then they'll order you one. Job 11, let's start with the Word of God. In verse 7 to 9, it says, Can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? It is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. I want to read from Psalms 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. So, I want to jump to Isaiah 40 in a minute, and let's lay a little bit of a foundation here. The Israelites had been taken into captivity at this time. Uh, the Assyrians came in and conquered them and carried them off in captivity. And um, they're quite despondent. They're disappointed. They're disillusioned. Has anyone ever been disappointed? Has anyone ever been disillusioned? Have everyone been despondent, discouraged? down, out. Chapter 40 actually starts with a message of hope that the all-powerful God is going to deliver his people and reveal his glory. How many know when you're down and you're discouraged and you're despondent, that's not what you want to hear? 
Hey, it's going to be okay. Shut up. Hey, you're going to make it through this. Talk to the hand, the face. None of you have ever done that though, right? We need to recognize the splendor and the majesty of our God today and understand he has a plan to deliver us from the hand of our enemy. You know, when God starts asking questions, he's not usually looking for answers. When he's asking you a question, he's trying to accomplish something in that moment. Usually, um, he's looking at you to answer something, or he's looking at you to discover something, or to see a perspective that maybe you didn't see previous to this. You know, and sometimes it's an invitation that we need to just surrender all and start worshiping him. Put it all down at the foot of the cross and start worshiping. Sometimes um, it's, it's us recognizing that he who is greater is the one who is worthy of worship. And there's something we need to learn about who he is. Or sometimes there's something about his character that he's trying to reveal to us. Or something that's deficient in our lives that we need to make an adjustment on. When God asks you questions, he is not asking you to answer He's trying to communicate something to you. So in Isaiah 40, you see he starts asking some questions of his people. And ultimately, it comes down to this. He's revealing the weakness in humanity and subsequently our great need for him. So let's pick up in verse 12 of Isaiah 40. Who else has held the oceans in his hand and has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Any takers? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? <laughs> I love Lou Giglio in his little uh, video that he did about how great is our audience. He talks about how people try to counsel God. People try to advise God. They tell God how to answer their prayers. You're missing the whole point of what I'm talking about if that's how you approach God. He doesn't need our advice. How are you going to give advice to the Creator? All the wisdom you have is from Him, and you only have a little bit. <laughs> Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does He need instruction about what is good? Nope. Did He teach? Did someone teach Him what's right or show Him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. How many of the nations of the world? They're nothing to him. They're nothing more than the dust on the scales. He picks the whole earth up. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals. Apparently, Lebanon had some big forests with lots of animals. Okay, would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. God is powerful. Are we catching this? The wind obeys him. The waves obey him. The stars shine at his command. He sustains you by his very word. He rules over all of creation. Have you looked at the vastness of the heavens? Have you looked at the distance between us and even our star? 93 million miles. And oh, by the way, how intricate is that, that we're exactly the right distance away from our sun that we're not consumed? 
or frozen. Even the tilt of the Earth's axis. Have you looked into the hydrologic cycle? Have you looked into, I mean, the inner workings of the human beings or the ecosystems of the Earth? Have we, have we observed these things and not realized the glorious creator that put all of these things in place? I mean, think about it. Who tells the sun to shine, the rain to fall, the grass to grow? I mean, who balances the hormones in your own body? Has anyone ever had their hormones out of balance? You know it. <laughs> Truthfully, I think everyone around you knows it too. So, um, from uh, <laughs> let's have some fun with this. <laughs> so Pastor Larry and I, well, I don't do it now, but I, we used to go over to uh, the Life Center with the women. So there's all women. So you're sitting in this circle with like 10 or 12 women and then a staff member. And... Uh, at one point when I was first going over there, like, don't you feel outnumbered? I was like, man, I live in this world. I have four daughters and a wife. <laughs> so I think what I'm trying to explain is God has set the universe in order with great precision. Okay? Despite man's attempts to kind of mess it up, it still runs. It's st he still governs the universe. Uh, the sun still rises and sets. The earth still spins around. It still rains. It says it rains on the evil and the, and the just alike. The just and the unjust alike. In other words, who tells the seed to sprout and to grow into food, right? Well, into plants that food eats. I tried. You're right, Brenda. I'm not funny sometimes. <laughs> I try to be funny sometimes in staff meetings. And you're not funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Still true. <laughs> um, anyway, God points out to humans that, like, you don't even understand how the universe works. I created it. You don't even understand how you're working, and God created you, you know. Then he points out in Isaiah 40, he talks about He's greater than the nations oppressing his people. He's also greater than the people that are, being, that are oppressing humanity today as well. How many know all over the planet there's people that are being oppressed? You know, the uncomfortable truth is there's more slaves alive today than there ever has been at any point in history. But we don't see a lot of articles on that in the news. Okay? So... We live in a very horrible world where people oppress one another and they try to, op op they put their will on them and they make them do things that they don't want to do. And they take advantage of the weak and the poor. Okay, God is greater than the people that are doing that today. Right. And sometimes you look at a situation and you go, man, this looks pretty impossible. Has anyone ever felt they're in an impossible situation? Has anyone ever felt like you're just stuck or, or you're in over your head or you're in a situation that's just never going to change? None of you. 
Oh, okay. I'll talk to you then. <laughs> you see, God allows this earth to operate according to principles that he set in line. And he gave humans freedom of will, free choice. And because he gave you the choice to love justice and mercy or to reject justice and mercy, he gave you the choice to choose the fruit of the spirit or the works of the flesh. And the problem is when humans choose poorly, they cause pain and suffering for others and God allows it. And we struggle with that. Why do you allow it? Because otherwise he'd override their free will. But God, you could stop. You're right, he could. But then we wouldn't have freedom of choice anymore, would we? Then there wouldn't be... So eternity is a place where he's going to enforce his will forever. When you go to heaven, there will be no one that gets to do unjust stuff. They don't get to live there. The people that don't want to love justice and mercy in this life won't find their way to be with him in the next. They don't get to stay. Okay? And sometimes in our finite minds, we think, oh, God, why don't you judge them now? They're all going to stand before, everyone's going to stand before him. Every person that oppresses another, every person that takes advantage of another, even the ones that are very sick and do all kinds of twisted, mean, cruel things, will stand before the righteous judge one day. And that conversation, if you don't have the blood of Christ applied to your life because you're a Christ follower, it's not going to be a good conversation. God asks his people in Isaiah 40 if they think the militaries and governments of the earth are greater than he is. I've talked to Christians, and they're like, oh, I don't know, man. Can God really override what's going on on planet Earth today? Like, I see what these politicians are doing, and people get frustrated. People are being murdered all over the world. You think I'm kidding. They just had another massacre the other day. Not in North America. They were massacring Christians again. Isaiah 40, 26, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. When God does roll call, the, roll call, the stars answer. Here, present, shining, where I'm supposed to be. Think about it. I think he can handle the governments of the earth. And you know, injustice, it lasts for a season, but eventually it all comes unraveled. Think back through history, all the despot leaders that tried to enforce their will on people. Their time on this planet was limited and their grip on humanity was released over time. I want to read specifically right from the book, Knowing God. So this section, I'm going to actually read from Jay Packer. And in Isaiah 40, 25, he quotes in the Revised Standard Version, uh, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. This question rebukes wrong thoughts about God. Your thoughts of God are too human, said Luther. 
to Erasmus? Think about that. We try to quantify God from our human perspective. In other words, in all of your wisdom, reasoning, and understanding, you will never fully understand and comprehend the greatness of our God. Okay. This is where most of us go astray. Our thoughts of God are not great enough. We fail to reckon with the reality of his limitless power, wisdom, and power. Because we ourselves are limited and weak, we imagine that at some points God is too and find it hard to believe that he's not. We think of God too much like what we are. Put this mistake right, says God. Learn to acknowledge the full majesty of your incomparable God and Savior. We have to change the way we think and see who our creator God is. He is the majesty who rules with all power and all authority, and there is none who is like him. In fact, no one can even approach him in greatness. We are specks of dust on a scale compared to him. In Micah 5, 4, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, then his people will live there undisturbed for he will be highly honored around the world. 2 Peter 1, 16 and 17, for we are not making up clever stories. When we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard the voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. What's Peter talking about there? Peter was up on the mountain when the transfiguration of Christ happened. All of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus, and Peter's like, <laughs> in full glory and splendor, they saw him. And of course, when God reveals his full glory and splendor to humans, they don't know how to handle that. Peter, should I build an altar and start sacrificing? <laughs> Peter, just be quiet. Worship. That's all you got to do. Observe. But Peter's saying, look, we saw him. We heard the voice from heaven. We heard God speak. Psalms 93.1, the Lord is king. He's robed in majesty indeed. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. So I threw this illustration in for Vanessa. Some of you know Vanessa. She comes up here and plays violin for us. Extremely skilled. Highly talented. She's up. Her husband's working out of town for this month. So hi, guys. I know you're streaming us. Joshua Bell. Does that name ring a bell to any of you? <laughs> Does that name get your attention? Joshua Bell is one of the premier violinists in the world. Okay, He was like a child prodigy. He grew up. And, and he would regularly play at theaters where people would pay $100 to $200 a ticket just to watch him play. How are we doing? Did I qualify who Joshua Bell is? Okay. In 2007, he did what they call now a social experiment. He went into the subway in New York City and played Bach's Partita Number no. 2 in D minor, which is one of the most difficult pieces to play properly. He played it on the subway line, and then he played five other songs played for 43 minutes with his violin case open. 
He played on his $3.5 million Stradivarius violin with hidden cameras. Over 43 minutes, 1,000 people walked by him. Actually, it was like 1,097 or something. Very few people even acknowledged that he was there, to the degree that after 43 minutes, a world-famous guy who gets $1,000 a minute to play his violin had $32.17 in his violin case. One person recognized him out of 1,097 and said something to the effect of, I think I saw you play at the theater the other day. What are you doing down here? No kidding. Think about this. I was laughing with my wife about this this morning. Well, I was laughing. She was trying to figure out what I was talking about. (laughs) Do you know, I'm actually going somewhere with this. Charlie Chaplin, you remember him? He entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and lost. (laughs) Dolly Parton entered a Dolly Parton lookalike contest and lost. I'm not even kidding. Do you remember uh, Christopher Reeve? He played a Superman. He would often go out in costume. If he went out in his Superman costume, he would get flocked with people everywhere he went. He'd get mobbed for autographs. If he went out as Clark Kent, no one knew who he was. He just blended right in. God who breathed us into existence, the all-powerful ruling king knows you by name. Far too many who identify as his followers don't even recognize him or spend time with him. He's playing a symphony for your life and you're too concerned about your little triangle solo. We miss the creator who's operating in our life all the time because he doesn't come how we think he's supposed to come. And he doesn't look how we think he's supposed to look. And things don't work out how we think they're supposed to work out. Catching this? You know, the ruler of the universe knows everything. He knows you better than you know yourself. He wants to have conversation with you. He wants to have relationship with you. I mean, think about it. If you could have a conversation with anyone, who would you want to talk to? Oh, we're in church, so take the Jesus out because you know that's not always going to be the real answer, is it? You should be talking to Jesus every day. That's already available to you. It's something that's accessible. But if you want to go talk to the Queen of England, you may not get that opportunity. There's 7 billion people on the planet. I'm sure she'd love to talk to you, but she can't. Do you understand? How do... How do we know if we know him instead of just about him? For me, I think it's revealed in a few things. It's revealed easily in our worship. Because when the worship team is leading us in worship, do we even bother to bow our head for a moment and quiet our minds and surrender and lift our hands? 
if he's the ruling king of the universe, I think it would be wise to maybe lift your hands in worship and sing adoration to the one who is worthy. I saw a funny meme. Actually, it was kind of sad. It wasn't funny. And it was all these artists out there that are on the radio. And underneath it said, funny. They were all laughing and it said, funny. Christians know the lyrics to our songs, but they can't quote the Bible. It's most fully realized when we lift our hands and surrender when we sing. Do we joyfully sow money into his kingdom or do we give grudgingly or not at all? Do we read the Bible, which is available to us, truth that's going to transform our life, or do we leave it sit on our shelf and collect dust? I was ticked off the other day. I lost my streak. <laughs> my version streak. I lost my streak. It's not because I didn't read. I just read on a different device, so it didn't count it. Some of the younger ones know about streaks because they go on Snapchat every day to make sure they get their streaks. But do you have a Bible reading streak that you don't want to lose? Because that one's more important than your Snapchat one, I promise. Promise, it'll change your life. Do you make prayer a priority? I come down here Thursday mornings. I go online sometimes and I watch the stream. They do a great job with prayer services. Wednesday nights, you know, Wednesday night we're going to have a prayer service. That should be one of the most highly attended services that we have. Those should be the ones where it's overflowing and people can't get in the doors. But we don't make prayer a priority. Why? Because we don't understand the majesty of our King. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11 and 12, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in heavens and on earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. In 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5, all praise to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. He is so great, he forgives sin and brings the dead to life. I don't know about you, I can't bring anybody to life. But I serve a God who can bring the dead to life. And the truth is, there's people even in this room that you're far from him. You don't know him. You know about him, but you don't know him. And you haven't accessed forgiveness of sins. You haven't accessed the fullness of the relationship that the Father would like to have with you. But his mercy is ever-present, and it's one step to Christ. Repent of your sin and turn your life around. Give your life to him.
It'll make all the difference. In Jude 125, all glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. You can't do it on your own. You need a Savior. He's the one that is crowned with majesty. And my final point, which I'll spend the rest of my time talking to you about today, is from Psalms 8. O Lord, O Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. You're glorious higher than the heavens. And I want you to catch this. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. The majesty of our God will silence his enemies with simply infants and children. He doesn't need warriors. He needs people with childlike faith. And he can teach the children how to overcome. He can teach the children how to believe in his majestic splendor and his glory. Why is it that when we get older, we forget about how great our God is? When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and herds and all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, everything that swims in the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. I want you to understand something. It's in human weakness that the majesty of the king is most fully realized. It's the weakness that we all have. How many understand that we have all missed God's mark? We're all sinners. We've all messed up, sometimes more horribly than others. You know, some of you have made some really bad mistakes in life, and it's cost you dearly. Relationships have changed. Marital status has changed. Sometimes it's sickness and disease that comes. Human weakness. It's not the mistakes we made that are going to define us. And it's not the mistakes we make that determine our eternity. It's the faith that we exercise in the direction of Christ to receive forgiveness for our past. How do you handle the knowledge that you have of the Son of God? Are you living for Him? Are you submitted to Him in His will? And are you working things out accordingly and despite your weakness are you allowing him to be strong in your life in those moments where you just can't make it happen when you're staring temptation in the faith do you appeal to the presence of the most high god to deliver you do you allow him to show up strong inside of your life in those moments where you know you just can't take another step when you feel like you're trapped when you're stuck between the rock and the hard place, 
and you don't know which way to turn, are you looking to the creator? When you feel like the waves are overwhelming you and the storms are too great and you can't continue to navigate this life, look to the, look to the majesty of our king. Because it's in our weakness when we acknowledge our great need for him, that's when he shows up the strongest. Doesn't he say our, his strength is made perfect in what? Our weakness. Why is that? Because when you acknowledge that you need him, it's an opportunity for him to come and demonstrate his power. But so many times we try to fix it on our own and do it in our own strength. And I always say, how's that working for you? I ask people that all the time. How's that working for you? It's not. Well, maybe it's time to acknowledge that we need the great king. Because I've known a lot of people over the years. Some are more righteous than others, but none of them have got it all figured out. I've never, I've never met anyone that's got it all figured out. I certainly haven't. So what happens is, it's in that frailty that we have as humans, we come to a place where we acknowledge the greatness of our God and the majesty of our God. And we kneel down before him and say, God, I can't do this, but I know that with you we can get through this. I know that with you, I can overcome. I know that with you, I can take the next step. I know that with you, my heart will change. I know that with you, I can receive forgiveness. I know that with you, healing. I know that with you, restoration. I know that with you, things look different. And then put it in context. The God who hung the stars in place the God who holds the nations in his hands, the leaders of the nations in his hands, he can direct them whichever way he wants them to go. And you know, it sounds so ironic because when I started in Isaiah chapter 40, the people were in captivity. They were in captivity because they made some bad, stupid choices. And they disobeyed God. And they didn't do what he told them to. So the enemy came and carried them off. And then they cry, God, why did you allow this? Because you didn't do what I told you to. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in the waves. Has anyone ever been on the waves? Out in the ocean? Sometimes they get pretty big. And you know, you know, you can, you can go out there and like, if you stand here, you'll be okay. But if you go over here, you're going to get smoked. Has anyone ever been smoked? You know what I'm talking about? You stand there and the wave hits you and you go. And you're trying not to eat sand as it drags you across the ground. I've never done that. But see, it's kind of it's like that in life sometimes. God's like, if you stay under the shelter of my wings, you're good. I'll make sure that you're provided for. I'll see you through doesn't mean that storms don't come. It just means you'll be safe. You can be safe. But safety is more being connected to his presence and understanding he's going to see you through than it is what you're actually walking through. Because when you're on the water, there's going to be waves. In this life, there's going to be tribulation. And, and so 
It's when we walk out from the safety of his wings and then we get mad at God for not protecting us. It's very quiet. But see, this is our weakness and that's why we have to appeal to his strength and say, God, please save me. So in Isaiah 40, the people disobeyed God. They ended up in captivity. God said, hey, I'm gonna rescue you. I'm gonna deliver you. You're gonna see my glory, but it's gonna take 40 years. Wait, what? <laughs> yep, it'll take 40 years. Yep, 40 years, that'll be how long it takes. Some of us have a hard time keeping hope for 40 minutes, but could you wait for 40 years? But the truth is, God doesn't operate on our timeline, so we have to allow him to work how he wants to work, when he wants to work, in and through us. How are we doing? Let's stand up together. Hi, babe. Hi. I know you like it when I do this. Sometimes. <laughs> I like it better. Sometimes you have to understand. Often when we're talking about the message, she'll say something and be like, that's really good. You need to share that. And I know she's coming up. And then other times she surprises me, but go ahead. Um, so very interestingly, um, when Pastor RJ was talking, and I'm listening, and I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to just continue to give me revelation all the time. And um, when he was talking, and he was sharing about the Israelites being in captivity, and they were asking God, you know, why did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? So let's go back even further to who the first king of Israel was. Um, king Saul, right? So, but why did they have to have King Saul? Because they didn't want God as king. They rejected God. They didn't want God as king, so they begged God, give us a human king. Um, a king who fell short and every king after him fell short. But this was who humanity wanted as king, not God. And their perspective of God was very twisted, very altered, when all they saw was a God who they were like, felt like, it's not, we need to have the fear of the Lord in our life and we need to be afraid, but we need to know who God is. But they neglected to see the fullness in the, of who God is in his mercy and his love. Just like a father. You need to respect your father. You need to honor your parents for who they are in your life and respect them and honor them. You need to have the rightful fear of the Lord in your life. But on the balance on the other side of that is the love, the mercy, the compassion, the care that they have for you. I would give my, my kids don't have to ask me in a second, not even a second, I would give my life for them. They don't have to ask, it's, it's done. With Jesus, it's the same. And all throughout history, we as humanity have been the ones who have been rejecting him as our king. We told him we don't want him. And part of the reason why I believe that we tell him that we don't want him is because he is perfect. 
He is God. He is who he is. And his standard is far above. It's far above and cannot be attained by ourselves. So Jesus now comes onto the scene in humanity as the perfect king, the one who has done no wrong, the one who's absolutely in all the fullness of perfection, God comes to us on earth to say, here I am. I want to be your king, but we still on earth here choose to reject him or to receive him. And as Christians, we have the choice here on earth. If we're Christians, Jesus is saying to us, either you stand with man and you will be judged by God, or you stand with God and you will be judged by man. Which one do we want? And if Jesus is the one who's coming to us and saying, I want to be not just your savior, but am I your king? Because if I'm your king, then the ways of the world are not going to be our ways, right? Because then the Israelites were coming to God going, why, 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 why? Well, because like our pastor, I just said, you did stupid stuff. You didn't listen. But first of all, you were following the king that you asked for and he fell short and he is a sinner. All of them did. But with Jesus, when he came in all his fullness and his perfection and all of his glory, and now he's asking you, can I be your king? Because if I'm your king, then that means we have to live at a whole new level. The place that Jesus seats us in is in heavenly places. So, but that's our choice. We have to choose to allow Jesus to be our King and reign and rule over our hearts, not just our Savior, and rescue us and be, you know, what is it, the genie in the lamp that you rub whenever you need it and you just give me my three wishes and how many ever you think you have. But if he's your king, then you're coming to your king and we're asking our king, how can I serve you, my king? What can I do for you, my king and my God? But not because he views you as his slave, you're his child, because he's the one who came and said, I gave my life for you. I did it first. I gave everything up for you. I did it first. I came in humanity so that I would know exactly what it means to be who you are, to be human, because he, he was God. The foundations of the earth were formed by him. Everything, everything is held together by Jesus, everything. So today, as Christians, in our hearts, can we examine our hearts today and ask ourselves, Jesus, are you my king or just my savior? Am I just using you for what you can do for me? Or am I going to allow you to work in me, to work through me so I can do something for you? Heavenly Father, as we receive the bread today, Lord God, I thank you 
for your majesty. I praise you for your majesty and who you are. I worship you and I honor you and I give you all the glory for who you are. In all of your glory, all your magnificence and all your beauty, God, I thank you that you came, Jesus, to the earth to die for us, to be our King and our God in complete and total perfection. Father, I ask you today that you would minister to each and every heart that's in this room that's with, that is hearing me within the sound of my voice. Anybody watching on live stream, Father, would you work inside of our hearts? Would you, Holy Spirit, help us to do that internal audit of where we are in our own hearts with you? Are we simply coming to you, only asking you to be our savior? Just save me, Jesus, save me. Or are we really coming to you with our whole life, surrendering and presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, that you would be able to work in us and through us to accomplish your purpose on the earth and your plan to draw all men to you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you would pour out over your people a willingness to be willing. Pour out over your people the willingness to obey. Pour out over your people your spirit, Lord, and your presence. Father, I pray that we would recognize in our lives a new and fresh with new eyes your majesty and who you are and that humbly we come before you today and say to the king, how can we serve you, my king and my God? In Jesus' name. we have the cup in our hands. Father, I thank you that as we have received forgiveness, we have released forgiveness from our hearts. We declare healing in life and we look to you, the all-powerful God. In the book of Exodus 15, let's pray. Father, your right hand is glorious in power. Your right hand, O oh Lord, smashes our enemies. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You unleash your blazing fury and it consumes them like straw. Father, for the antichrist spirit that's in the earth, I thank you that it's coming against you and your people. But you will overthrow. You will destroy. You will smash and consume the enemy. So this day, Father, consume the works of the enemy in our lives. Let us look to you and your greatness, your goodness, 
your kindness and your mercy. And help us in our relationship with you that we can continue to be your obedient vessels. And that nothing is too difficult for you. No situation that you can't change. By your grace and for your glory in Jesus' name. Norman Nadine. Good morning, beautiful children of God. How is everyone this morning? This came upon me this morning uh, during prayer, and I just want to say it to somebody that's watching on live stream, and just in condensed form, it's, it's, I want you to stop thinking that your sin is greater than God's grace and forgiveness. I want you to stop thinking your sin wasn't forgiven on the cross. I want you to stop and be still and know who he is and walk towards him and not away from him. Amen? As we depart today, we pray that the majesty of the Father be the light by which you walk, the compassion of the Son be the love that you walk, and the presence of the Spirit be the power in which you walk. Just a reminder next week, it's a one single service at 10 a.m. outside. Bring your lawn chair, and don't forget the most, well, a very important part is a big barbecue after. So, uh, ending on that, may the peace and love of Jesus Christ be upon you all. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go and be the church.